1: Our next guest is Tanya Hosh. She is the General Manager of Inclusion and Social Policy at the AFL. She is the first indigenous person and second woman appointed to the AFL executive. Tanya's leadership is transforming the AFL, advancing women, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people, gender diverse Australians and the entire community. Welcome to JOY 94.9, Tanya. Hi Fiona, it's good to be with you again it's good to have you back and um look we have chatted before I i you're uh we love to chat to you at our annual gay christmas pride round events uh but there will be people listening on the show that have um that don't know you uh and what you do at the afl so can you explain your role and what what um what what you do at the afl sure um so coming in from
2: Adelaide on Ghana country, um, yeah, so this is season six for me at um, the AFL. So um, inclusion and social policy covers a broad range of issues. So, you know, advising the AFL and the AFL commission and clubs on um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues, cultural diversity, LGBTQIA+, um, increasingly disability, um, uh, gender um, and racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, any of those sorts of things um, could find itself Across my desk, um, and yeah, unsurprisingly, there's a lot in all of that. Um, so there, there should be one person per thing yeah. that you said there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there'd be enough work, honestly. Um, so yeah, we're we're a pretty small team, um, but it's it's great work, and we're all people who are very committed to those sorts of issues and and equity. Um, And, you know, the role was new when I started, so, you know, I like to think that we have really are um, making our presence felt and I can see the difference us in the business has made because it's, you know, there's so many people across the whole industry uh, reaching out with ideas um, to make their own contributions to equity um, across footy now, which is fantastic.
0: And it, and it is great to hear there's a, there's a team around you too and um, hopefully something that expands. Um, in terms of some of those issues that you work with, Tanya, it kind of strikes me that um, you're probably emotionally, for wanting a better word, running the gamut between some of the most challenging issues in football but then seeing some of the most, you know, inspiring outcomes as well. Yeah, that's
2: probably a good way to describe it, Beck, I mean, um, it is work that does emotionally engage you uh, because when you're dealing with real people in circumstances where their identity um, or identities are, are sort of, you know, in the conversation, then they're emotionally engaged and emotionally invested. So you can't really ignore that. That's that's part of what you connect with as as people. Um, And really, in summary, I think I think of my job being about people. Um, Mm. It's in the football context, but at the end of the day, it it is about people. Um, Increasingly, I think one of the things that I really do enjoy, particularly as an Indigenous woman myself, um, is a, a greater understanding of intersectionality starting to come through. Uh, and be better understood and um, discussed um, more generally, which I think is a really positive sign as well. So, yeah, there are some curveballs definitely (laughs) that really do, um, you know, I guess have different issues rub up against each other at the same time, but I think that's life and football's not immune to that and the way that we accommodate that, support that, Celebrate that, navigate that. Um, are, are all thought-provoking conversations, and um, yeah, it it never it makes for a job that's never dull. I
0: can imagine, and I mean, it strikes me that COVID might be one of those issues because I'm thinking it probably has affected Indigenous communities different to what it's um, impacted men's players to what it's impacted women's players who are working you know all those sorts of things I imagine managing COVID within within and uh, you know amongst those groups has had some some interesting moments too.
2: Yeah look it has and we um, you know reached out to our networks of Aboriginal community controlled health organisations to get guidance very early on. And that meant that we were able to establish a a close working relationship with the Aboriginal health team running COVID with um, Commonwealth Health, worked really closely with them in um, designing some information sessions around COVID for Indigenous players, male and female. Um, And, you know, those conversations will be ongoing. And the other thing, I guess, given where some of our players come from, there were some really uh, tight biosecurity measures in place in some, you know, communities, which would have meant that players couldn't go home when they Mm. would typically plan to. Um, And, um, you know, we're now starting to see the impact of COVID in some remote communities, which is obviously really um, scary, given our health status um, as Indigenous Australians. You know, I'm type two diabetic, so even for me, mm. getting COVID is actually quite risky. Um, I've got a number of complex health conditions as a result of that. Um, so it's, yeah, it definitely brings that home. Plus also just being able to talk to, you know, the extended families that are, are very, you know, because of the way that we, um, our communities live with each other and in and out of households. So the idea of social distancing, you know, not just for Indigenous people, but for a lot of people has been really challenging.
1: Mm. Mm. I'm type 1 diabetic, so we can be diabetes buddies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I remember talking to you last year, the, the AFL was one of the eight peak sporting bodies that committed to inclusion around trans inclusion and gender diversity, and, and uh, you're a member of Pride in Sport. Where's that at now? How's, how's that developed Yeah, so um, I think that we'll probably be
2: looking to review the gender diversity policy for elite and community footy probably in the next 12 months or so because it's had a while of operation now. Um, We, you know, we like to obviously protect the confidentiality of people, but I think I can say that we've had applications um, that have been successful through the policy Um, So we do have uh, trans players playing um, in football um, that have been supported through that policy process. And of course, you know, more recently we've had um, two players in AFLW um, come out um, identifying as non-binary. And so, you know, that's all through the guidance of that policy.
1: Yeah, there was um, one thing I liked. I read through a little bit of the policy um, over the last day. It said um, it's the AFL's view that in community football, social inclusion has a greater priority than concerns about possible competitive advantages if gender diverse players participate. The thing is, though, how does how do we educate the broader community about that as well? Because we have to protect... Um, you gender diverse players perhaps from abuse from on from the off the field and all that sort of yeah. thing
2: yeah yeah absolutely um you know covid has foiled um a national roadshow that we were going to do on that very issue with different leagues to do some of that basic education that 101 basic education to make sure that if gender diverse people are turning up at a footy club that You know, there's a a decent amount of understanding about, you know, what is standard expectations, the fact that it's not legal to be discriminatory on those grounds um, and what that means in practice. Um, And we wanted to do those in person because we felt that we would have a better result that way. Um, I think we're all sick of having to do everything over zoom and some of these conversations are just much better had in person where people will be able to ask you in the break you know come up and ask you a question they're not really wanting to ask you in a room full of people um, and things of that nature um so that's a little bit on the drawing board at the moment but we're aware of the need for that Um, And I think the other thing is it really speaks to the need for these conversations and that education to be happening in the community more broadly. Um, It's very difficult for any sporting code to take responsibility for a national education program about a very narrow part of a conversation in a very particular sporting code. So anything that we do um, needs to really um, be supported by broader education and awareness. And we've definitely had conversations with agencies that we feel do have those responsibilities just to make sure that those things are being supported and and reinforced. Um, And as a result of that, we certainly will continue to consult a lot of organisations about how what we're doing sort of fits into a bigger picture.
1: Mm, It's certainly where we're getting the most questions in the education piece and the work that we're doing. I um, help coordinate Hawks Pride and the players. That's the most questions we're getting is around this space. Yeah, Interesting. Yes.
0: I think, you know, as you said, Tanya, we have had um, two players in the AFLW um, come out and and tell us that they identify as non-binary, which is just fantastic for them. Um, But, you know, listening to to these games, it's still an adjustment for commentators and supporters with pronouns and and all those sorts of things. So it it is wonderful to hear um, what you're saying about that education, but I agree with you. I think there's such a broader um, sort of society education that we need to do too. I guess it is Pride Round and we're, we've talked about a lot of um, things that we're working on and need to change. But one of the things about Pride Round, and I think we can probably say the same for um, Sir Doug Nichols' round, is they really are rounds of celebration. And, and why do you think that celebration is important when we're trying to create change?
2: I think because for those of us working on issues like that all the time, it's about trying to progress positive change and a greater sense of inclusion, uh, elimination of discrimination, things of that nature. And so it can sometimes be, um, you know, sort of opportunities can feel few and far between to actually celebrate who we are. Um, mm-hmm and our contributions outside of the struggle or the, the fight and the lobbying and the, the really hard work to try and make things more equal for everybody. So to take a moment that says we're celebrating who you are, we're celebrating who we are, we are you know, going to take a moment to increase visibility hopefully improve awareness, raising and understanding and do it in a, in a positive way, rather than from the, you know, from framing that says, we need you to do A, B, C mm-hmm. and D. Um, and, you know, um, just to do something where people get to experience wow. who we are as communities and cultures and the joy that exists within our communities I think is incredibly positive because that can get so lost in the media reporting of stories. It can get lost in the the cut and thrust of policy development. Mm. It It can just get lost. So I think to have opportunities where we can invite people in to say, come and experience the joy of being part of our community and, and seeing the celebration that we have with each other um, and know that you're a welcome part of that, I think, has got um, untold benefit. I
0: agree. I agree. There's something to be said for a bit of joy, isn't there? <laughs> there?
2: There absolutely is. And when I think about all the various rainbow flags, I mean, those flags just, you know, shout joy for me. Like <laughs> I just look at them, they're just, you know. They're, we, like um, we like our colour. Yeah, your, <laughs> yeah, your colour and colours are um, great. The gays know how to party, that's
0: for sure. Yeah, the gays do know how to party. And the <laughs> yeah. wonderful, I mean, one of the things I really look forward to in the Pride round, and, and as I said, it is very similar in said Doug Nichols' round, is watching the jumpers, the jumpers yeah. that are so amazing and every single one has a story to tell, but it's it's that, yes, here's something we're celebrating, but, you know, I just, I think that the jumpers are such a special part of these sorts of rounds
2: oh they look they are and um you know i reckon they probably do pretty well in the merchandise sales too so i reckon clubs are really enjoying them um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah absolutely i did um uh, a piece to camera yesterday with uh some of the women at uh, adelaide crows and um yeah they had um um Stevie lee and alish had their their jumpers on and their socks and they you know, they looked great and they were talking about the difference from last year's jumper to so this year's jumper. And, yeah, we're really pumped about it. Um, yeah, so I think it's something really special and, you know, it's something that we don't have in the men's game. So I think that to, to see it being led um, in W was really great.
0: Yeah. I've got my Adelaide Cruise Pride uh, top. I bought myself one, so I'm very excited to wear that around. awesome well tanya thank you so much for joining us and thank you for everything you do for our game you are a truly amazing person um and look have a wonderful pride round enjoy it if you get to games or watch them and i'm sure we'll talk to you again soon
2: oh thank you and thanks for everything that you do um and for Giving me a chance to speak with you um, at least once a year and sometimes more than that i really appreciate the role that you play in our communities as well
0: thanks this podcast was produced by joy media you can support joy's diverse sound and diverse community this june by donating to joy radiothon 2024 go to joy.org.au slash radiothon and remember we all flourish with joy